The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezo Mabete on SAFM. With matrix writing their exams this week, I think they started last week, so everything is and should be appropriately so focusing in large part with what's happening in the schools. And perhaps we can just get a comment from the Deputy CEO of FEDSIS. That's the Federation of Governing Bodies of South Africa, Mr. Rian Vandenberg. Rian, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Your members have got some busy days ahead of them, don't they? Yes, I think education is busy all year long, but there's a big focus on the uh, final exams for most grades, but very importantly, the metric exams. And I think most learners would have been writing uh, an exam today. Uh, I think they wrote English this morning. So, uh, yeah, good luck to all the matriculants out there. Certainly. Thank you so much for that. Let's talk about the work that you guys have now. You're coming sort of, if you like, this is the first full year of academics since 2019. So there are many things that obviously you would have carried because they wouldn't have changed from 2019. But there are one or two things which inadvertently even that you would have learned in 2020, 2021 that perhaps might have carried through into 2022. So talk to us about open, close quote, a more normal world, open, close quote again, post COVID (laughs) as it were. Yes, I think uh, we we all got used to the terminology uh, normal or abnormal. And uh, at the beginning of the year, we we had a discussion in the office saying we we don't think anything is normal anymore. Normality is not necessarily what we want, but stability is what what creates uh, safety and security. And this year was far more stable. Uh, but uh, as you mentioned, that there were a lot of things introduced in education over the past three years, uh, the two years in lockdown. And our, our hope as an organization is that some of the good lessons learned um, linger longer during, you know, call it back to normality or back to a full-time schooling schedule, because there were good uh, value-added lessons you know, we responded very quickly to urgent issues. We used technology in uh, very efficient ways. Uh, we, we learned lessons that, you know, some grades could sit together in the hall and, and bigger classes were uh, not as detrimental as we thought in some cases. And then um, some some technology being used at home, WhatsApp schooling. So there were a lot of good lessons, although uh, I think we will see the shadow of the covid uh, pandemic and lockdown over education uh, you know, for, for quite a while to come. Talking about that, uh, that obviously brings in the parental role that much more. That's not to suggest it's bringing in as it might reflect a position where perhaps the parent might not have been involved, but certainly, I mean, governing body in part is made up of parents. But specifically, the role of parents at home beyond the space of the governing body has become pronounced, certainly, in the teaching and learning and sort of the cooperative engagement of issues that were wrought on by COVID the last two years. And I would imagine parts of that would carry through indefinitely as part of engaging the learning journey of the learner together with the family of the learner and the school being an active participant in what happens at home, as well as the home being an active participant in what happens at school. Tell us about some of the lessons that you are picking up that are working or some of the things that are proving to be a challenge. Yes, I think uh, we've got to take one step back and um, possibly not just focus on the last two or three years in education, 
the public school model, which is the basis and the cornerstone of the education system in South Africa, is one of very much cooperative uh, participation. A school governing body, which is the governing uh, authority for a public school, a local school, consists of various components, but the majority component is that of the parents. There are always one more parent on the school governing body than the other members of the governing body combined, which just frames the fact that the school is not a state school. And I think we want to reiterate, uh, emphasize, and, and just point that out at every opportunity we can to say that the public schooling system by by nature has a true identity to say that the parents of a learner, the caregivers of a learner, um, not just have a bigger interest and a, a more important role to play um, than the government, but they, they have an obligation to be participating in the uh, role of the school. The school is an extension of the education process. It is not the primary education process. Uh, school is a reflection of society and not an isolation in society. So societal problems, issues around the, the, the school um, don't just get fixed because the bell rings and the learners are in school. Those are the issues that, that come from home, that come from the parents. So, so what we want to point out strongly is to say parents should live up to their obligation and be part of the journey of their education of their learners. Uh, we all understand the right to education and we believe in the, the right to education for all and um, quality education should be a driving force. But it's not as if uh, a parent can just stand back and say, but we demand that the Minister of Education must fix all the problems that our learners have. I think it's definitely a partnership in the public schooling space. We've got a few models of schools uh, and, and, and along two lines or, or, or one dividing line is, is the no fee and fee paying schools. But irrespective of whether it's a fee paying or a no fee paying school, the governing body still exists. The parents are still the majority on the governing body and they have an obligation to be participating in the journey, the education journey of their learners. So that's just possibly a, a step back and a frame for it. What we've seen over the past three years is that um, yeah, parental involvement plays a huge role with the uh, first um, news and, and breakouts of the pandemic and lockdown schooling after the first three, four weeks of, of um, uh, lockdown. One of the biggest hurdles that schools had, uh, although data and access to technology was a big one, devices was a big one, economics was a big one, one of the number one hurdles uh, was the parental participation, availability and engagement to support the learners whilst they're not at school with what we call lockdown learning or remote learning or continued learning. <laughs> all, all the terminologies that were branded around so that we could put focus on the learning journey. And, and uh, that was highlighted in, in that time. And uh, sadly, a lot of schools had difficulty uh, getting the parents on the same page, uh, having parents support the learners. And that just showed that there's a little bit of a disconnect between the, the, the world that we live in and the world that we learn in. And I think that's what's from a governing body association like that. So from our point of view, that is an important bridge that we need to cross and say, 
parents be involved, um, be active citizens, but also be active parents in your school governing body. And I think you mentioned in the opening that the AGMs are taking place, the annual general meeting at school, where a budget is presented, where we can vote on a budget, where uh, report back from the principal on academic matters and report back from the chairperson on all other governance matters at the school uh, are given and the opportunity to ask questions and make contributions yeah. and, and get, get answers to these things. Let's talk about FEDSIS. Perhaps um, I should have prefaced this engagement on the basis of just trying to understand who FEDSIS is because who is represented at FEDSIS? Because, I mean, if we're talking about a large organization that is ultimately representing the interests of education development through school governing bodies, who is at the FEDSIS table? Who is it comprised of? Who's not there, especially? Yeah, so FEDSIS is a voluntary association of school governing bodies. We serve our members. It's a member organization. So any school, uh, public school, and even independent schools in the country are welcome to join FEDSIS as an organization. We uh, specialize in training, um, conflict resolution, uh, disciplinary issues, financial matters training, uh, navigating the relationship with the Department of Education, mm. uh, appointments of of staff. So, so all matters related to the governance journey at a school is what, what our focus is. And uh, we've got members across all uh, scopes of the schooling landscape in all provinces. We, we serve uh, around 2,000 member schools countrywide and representative in each province. So so we've got schools from all walks of life. Uh, we do uh, ask a membership fee. We, we believe that uh, <laughs> to be sustainable, we've, we've, we've got to have a business model that works so that we can keep on serving our members in the interest of quality education. Mm. Uh, yeah, so we've got, we've, got, we've got schools around the table from all walks of life, although probably the majority of our schools would be fee-paying, uh, fee-charging schools, uh, you know, Is it public and private this. schools that are part of the FEDSIS setup? Yep. Yes, they are. Uh, How well, important uh, is representation to FEDSIS? In other words, when you reflect on the school, for instance, being a reflection of that school's immediate society, when we're talking about FEDSIS with some 2,000 members, we're talking members drawn up from South Africa. How important then, therefore, would representation be? Or what remarks can you make on the importance of representation? Yes, I think it's it's extremely important um, for us to know what's going on on ground level and understand the full landscape of the education sector so that when we're in talks with uh, government, with the Department of Education, other stakeholders, that we reflect the situation on the ground. We, during COVID, we, we actually found uh, very interesting information, you know, when we ran a survey to to ask our members who is ready to return to school, uh, who has received proper um, sanitized, uh, sanitizing um, equipment and PPE and, and materials. And we found that some schools were sorted and other schools were not. And we had to go to government and represent our members and say, our own SNAP surveys show that 75% of schools are not ready. We've got a delay for a week or so. So we speak on behalf of our members uh, and in general, we speak on behalf of probably the whole sector because we, we, if, if something is, a situation occurs at one of our member schools, it might be that it occurs at some non-member schools. 
So in essence, I, I think we carry a flag for a lot of schools mm. in the education sector, mm. but we represent our members, and our members are representative of a wider audience. Yes. Although we, all, Drawn up from we, largely which quintile schools? We, we would be probably more weighted towards the quintile four and five schools, as I mentioned, our business model, um, and, and we're a voluntary association, but we do charge a fee so that we can render our service. We're in conversation with the Deputy CEO of FETSIS after this very short break. Mr. Rian van den Berg continues. If you have any questions in relation to the work of school governing bodies, their role parents can play in school governing bodies, how to get the attention of school governing bodies, and any question around the administration support function that an SGB inherently is to a school and, by extension, the education setup. Rian and I certainly would be more than happy to engage those thoughts and perhaps to engage better the academic journey that is that of the learner in part, but equally as much the responsibility of the broader community, not least you, the parent, or one in the family who has been to school and you have a responsibility to society through your younger siblings who would be going through that journey, perhaps to make it that much more easier. After the break, we continue. And please do call us 086-000-2032. The WhatsApp facility is 614 We're talking all things to do with school governing bodies. It's the time for AGMs and probably the time where a lot of the administrative changeovers take place from schools with executive teams of those respective schools changing and being nominated, if not elected right now, to serve in the next academic calendar year. So let's continue the conversation. I have started with Deputy CEO of FEDSIS, Mr. Rian Vandenberg. Rian, let's talk about some of the issues that South Africa can't escape talking about, more particularly when you engage the country's history, some of the trends that we are seeing happening in the education setup, and what it might mean for the tomorrow. I mean, you, you, you spoke at length and appropriately so on the importance of representation. During the ad break, I actually had the mind to just go through your website, and with a sense of disappointment, one is looking at the National Council as well as the executive team of FEDSIS, male-dominated in part, although things change somewhat, at executive level, but white male specifically at executive level and exclusively white in terms of the national structure and the executive structure. In the context of South Africa, the demographics, the challenges the education setup faces, as well as the idea of engaging the multiplicity of issues and views from which your learners would be coming through, is that not perhaps a, a serious question when the leadership of the institution is as homogenous as the website reflects? Yeah, it's a very interesting question and, and always one that comes up. Uh, we've got uh, staff in each province and uh, yeah, you can you can look at the, the rest of the website to see the, the provincial staff members as well. Um, we have four ladies and three men on the executive, uh, so so not necessarily male dominated. But yes, it is a reflection, and um, we, we 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 do we're a member association, and we attracted staff from the inception. Uh, our positioning is non-political, uh, non-religious, and and we fight for quality education for all. Our member schools have representation and reflection from the broader society. Um, mm. we, we have close to 2,000 schools and 
if, if you want to draw lines on, on uh, uh, call it the, the racial or color lines, you know, many English schools, which, which I still want to often question, why do we have, um, you know, predominantly two language schools in the country? Because we've got 11 languages, you know, but we've our, our member schools, as well as the learners in our member schools, we, we aim to be agnostic to where everyone comes from because we believe that we need to look at where everyone is going and quality education is... The how how do you get to that point? How, how, how do you understand where everyone is going better if you don't know where everyone is coming from? That assumes or sounds like to me, and if I'm wrong, please take me to task and don't hold back on that. If, if, if people are to go somewhere, I would think they should know where they are coming from. Otherwise, it has the effect of saying, let's start here. You shoot the gun and everybody starts running. doesn't matter where they come from yeah. because you know where no, they're going. No, that's absolutely not. So, so the, the, the premise is not to not know where we're coming from. The premise is that we should also look at where we're going. Our education system is in dire need mm. of, of an injection of, of hope, <laughs> an injection of quality, and one of the key ingredients that we believe, um, and not just us, but the, the Schools Act is, is written in such a way, is to have good governance. Uh-huh. Uh, a, local, a local community, a local society has far more interest in the benefits that their learners, their children get from their local school than possibly an official in government far away. Uh, that's why we want to decentralize to each local school more power to say what is important in this context. Uh, uh, not not just one size fits all, but what is important mm. here? What do we need to do here? Uh, we see um, instance, uh, I mean, we've been uh, singing the same tunes as the Section 27 Equal Education about toilets and resources at school. And suddenly in COVID pandemic uh, emergency state, uh, government could sort out a lot of those problems very quickly. Although we've been crying and pushing and going to court and and and, and wanting to serve the general community of South Africa to say all learners deserve a better level of education because education is plan A, plan B and plan C for the future of this country. It opens up opportunities. It creates the uh, constitutional basis of, of uh, exploring and and utilizing the potential of all our learners. So we're a constitutional-based organization and driving really hard from the foothills of Putali Chaba to the east of Pretoria to the farm schools in the Western Cape and the Eastern Cape. I just visited the Eastern Cape. Yeah, no, we, you, you, you can convince everyone. me in terms of the geography. I'm, I'm not so much engaging that because you have said you've got a wide pool and reach. I, 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 I do want to engage against your representations on the importance of representation. For instance, mm. your National Council is exclusively male, um, except for the Mpumalanga Deputy Chair. Hess Redley, how do you, as then FEDSIS, knowing that you draw on a wide variety of South African communities and cultures and experiences, is the national policy set up when it does not reflect the learners, when it does not reflect South African society? I accept it is a member-driven organization, so whoever wants to come then it's voluntary. So it could very well be just a terrible coincidence that none of these other national demographics want to participate on this platform. 
let's assume for a moment that isn't the case. How then do we get to the points that you are driving is the work of FEDSIS if it doesn't have the minds that can take it there, only on the basis that it doesn't engage the nuances of the setup that is education, of the disparities within, of the context from which historically it comes from, of the circumstance of present day, to then better understand the tomorrow on offer? Yes, so maybe we should just uh, go there. We're a voluntary um, structure as far as our national council and our provincial council goes. Um, so we've got representation from our member schools in each province as a governance structure. And in each province, we've got uh, provincial council members from many walks of life, but it's still a voluntary, a voluntary association and a voluntary position. So uh, we've got members from the Northern Cape, from the Western Cape, wherever, uh, I think Eastern Cape. Uh, if we want to be that specific and say members of colour, members of representing South Africa is what I would like to, to say, because we all have one interest, and that's the interest of education. The systemic issues in education is is what uh, drives us and what puts us in a position of getting up every morning and saying, we want a local school to work. We want a governing body to govern with a high level of governance, moral leadership temperature to to increase so that we do not steal the future from our learners. Um, yes, our National Council, if I look at the website myself, it's, as you say, <laughs> male, uh, his, his is our... Uh, it doesn't inspire much confidence, right, against everything that you said, knowing that it's coming from the South African society. Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm <laughs> Why does it not instill confidence? For the reasons the I've result... advanced. I mean, the mm. point is, I'm not saying whatever is happening at the National Council, simply because I've not sat there, is not mel I mean, well intended. I'm simply saying, from an aesthetic perspective, one can establish a nexus of the kind that at least will say this. Questions of culture and engaging the yeah. diversity of South Africa are not amplified there or are not fully ventilated or cannot be fully engaged just on culture and culture becomes language, cannot be fully engaged simply because of who is at that table. In other words, you and I can engage, looking at your name, and I'm sorry if I'm coming with my own prejudice, we can engage Afrikaans as we can engage Isikosa because we are representing as an Afrikaans person and as a Kosa person those respective languages stroke cultures. But what can Lesejo and I truly engage within the context of Afrikaans if she and I are representing the Afrikaans community? That's my point. I was not reducing it to politics, nor was I doing it for religious purposes. It is yep. just an inescapable reality of who we are as a people, what our constitutional injunction is, and how even our emblem, national emblem, says, out of many, one. We can be one, but we must be many, and the many must be seen. And that cannot be outsourced, or that cannot be vicariously engaged. It, it, it has to come from the people who are the yeah. ones. So I'm saying in this context, sorry for the long um, preface, mm. it does not inspire that confidence if the issues, the cultural issues, 
the historical issues, the disparities. I mean, you're largely attractive to quintiles four and five. The question then is, how can we help the quintiles one and two? Because that's where the help is most needed. Not just communities, not just government, but those who are in a better position, quintiles four and five, because those are the least affected by poverty schools. How can we help them? But nobody is there to even engage what is probably needed by quintiles one to possibly three. That's where I am suggesting perhaps you will fall short of that utopia, if you will. No, and, and, and we agree uh, that the people that need it most can afford it less, and that's in many instances. So, so maybe just to, to frame it a little bit, we don't represent, um, we represent our members at policy level with the department, but we push for each school to be representing themselves um, so a school in the Eastern Cape must do at their governance level what is best for their uh, community, for their school, for their learners. So the message that we're pushing is please look at what is in the context of your community and perform well with that and do governance with that, representing and listening to all the voices in your school community. Uh, we don't make policy. We don't push down uh, a one view of uh, a blanket answer for a specific issue. But we say to our members and in the sector that the process of good governance is as contained in the Schools Act. Each governing body stands in a position of trust to its school and community that it serves. So the representation is very much decentralized, and the message is clear on that. Um, I, Rian, as an Afrikaans person, don't go to any school and give them the answer or the instruction or the policy to follow, but I tell them what is good for them to have the ingredients in their policy so that they serve their community. And I think that's, that's, that's a slight nuance. Mm. We, we do not represent... We do not represent um, our schools as a homogenous looking school, but we represent our schools in the policy protection where the department might move towards, I don't know, uh, taking the power away from governing bodies. Can I take two quick calls? Sorry to interrupt you there, Rian. I've got two quick calls from a a former SGB treasurer in in Jackie. Jackie's from Katlehong. Very quickly, please, Jackie, after which we go to Ramasika in Alberton. Jackie and Ramasika. Jackie, good evening. Okay. Hello. Hello. Jackie, hello. You're yes. on SAFM Live. Please turn off your radio. Yes. Hi. How are you? I'm well, ma'am. Please go for it. Ah, good, good, good. Uh, uh, as a governor in the schools, you must be a parent, a parent with a child, a, a parent who's going to work collective with the principal and the teachers, a principal who's work with who's gonna work with the parents, and uh, there must be a transparency in a way that the policies, when we do policies, we do policies together. In the school, when we are a governor, we make sure that kids they've got everything they need to use for the school. Like for instance, there must be chairs, there must be tables, the school must be clean. Everything must be transparent. Coming to budget, you know that you, the, the governors must know that how much is the budget of the school that is receiving. 
Then on LTSM, you use the budget of SVSM for the books and the stationery of the offices like that. Thereafter, on the maintenance, you use the budget on maintenance. You don't just mix things when you are dealing with the budget. And be transparent to the parents because the challenge governors have is that mostly the principals take advantage of the parents because they know nothing about being governance, about finances, how to handle like huge finances for the school. So now when, when I was a, a, an SGP member at Pumelela, we had the principal Sotepi who was transparent to us that, you know, being a governor, you must learn, you must know the policy, how do you treat kids, how do you speak to the kids and the teachers. And uh, there's a rule that you, the, uh, 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 a line that you must not jump. Mom, Jackie, sorry, I'm going to have to cut you there. I just am going to give you literally 30 seconds. Do you have anything perhaps that you would wish for Rian to reply to? About being governor? Anything that you want Rian to reply to because I'm short on time? Transparency. Okay. We'll deal with that. Hopefully, Rian has made a note of that. In other words, how we can ensure transparency within the workings of SGBs to especially the parents who are the ones who are contributing, at least financially and in other ways, to the well-being of that school. Ramasika and Alberton, please. Good evening. How are you? Well, sir. Go for it, please. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I really uh, appreciate this opportunity. I think one question that I want to ask to Rian is... um, you know, you ask a very valid question when it comes to quintal one and quintal two. And the other thing is running away from the truth. Majority of the former malls in schools, majority are black children. And when you say it's governing body, obviously as an association, they're supposed to be guiding the, the governing body in terms of what the constitution says and what the South African school says in terms of drafting a policy that accommodates language of majority of learners because remember parents don't know about these things so if the governing board is not the one at an agm remember now it's a month of agm the governing body must present to parents and say parents let's vote on the new language if majority of learner uh, parents are black can we do zulu can we have english and parents must vote on that so parents are not aware, and these SGPs now are taking advantage of the ignorance of parents. Hence, most of the Model C schools where Rian's members are coming from, we have majority of blacks, but they are still our children are still subjected to do Africans and English, which is not fair. Because if we're talking transformation, why are they not being able to teach? Let him let him give you the number of schools where you have Zulu and Sotho as a language. You will never even be able to give you the number of those schools where they have those languages uh, available. Ramasika, thank you so much. Rian has made a note of that. We're going to listen to two voice notes, after which we'll give an opportunity for Rian to reply and to rap. Conclusion. Really, really, to have uh, governing bodies in rural areas does make sense. I mean, because there's only one person who runs the SGP. The rest are just people who are following. So to me, I'll do away with the governing bodies, to be honest with you. Because I don't see any usefulness of governing bodies. As I said, they don't can't make decisions. Of course, they would like to make decisions, but they are not educated, so they know nothing. So they can't do anything. Poor parents, you know. So really, to me, governing bodies, aye, that makes sense to me to have governing bodies. It's Elijah from Sixth Bridge. Good evening, Songezo, and your guest. 
I really don't have a problem. The formation of the school governing bodies according to the Schools Act, but I'm worried about the caliber of the complement of the school SGP complement. Some are chosen because they are feared in the society, whereas they don't have the capacity to lead. Principals at times have the upper hand. They send blank checks. I'm not making an allegation. I've seen this before. It happened. I came across a, a, a boy who was riding a bike heading towards the chairperson of the governing body's house to have the, the check signed, a blank check signed by the SGP chairperson. I'm so worried. I'm so deeply worried. The Rian, those are the views of South Africans. Some are expressing their frustrations, some their views, and specifically to you, the second caller asked a directed question. I don't know if uh, Marx is still uh, on the phone. I know Marx well, and uh, we work in the same sector. And interesting one, number one, maybe just a comment on Jackie, transparency, and that's the cornerstone of good governance, the virtuous cycle of openness, respect, and trust, which leads to transparency. If the principal and the governing body members have this virtual cycle of trust, there is an indication of an increased level of good governance. And I think that's something that our country is basically reporting on every day, lack of governance. We need to be involved and active to ensure that we take ownership of our local school. As far as the language policies of schools go, and uh, it's sad that uh, Mr. Ramasiti is not on the call, because I would love the stats on the number of, of single-medium schools in the country. According to our statistics, out of the 23,000 schools in the country, only about 1,100 are single-medium Afrikaans schools. Now, we've got a shortage of schools in the country in very much this province where I'm sitting in Gauteng, and it's growing into the same problem in the Western Cape. And full schools um, are inundated with applications of people around the school where the density has changed, not necessarily the demographics only. <laughs> so... Uh, there's a burden on the Department of Education to ensure the number of schools in a province. And 1% or call it 5% of schools can't accommodate <laughs> the problem that 95% of schools have. And, and that's the issue that we have. We've got to go back to the, the um, constitution that says we have the right to basic education and the right to mother tongue instruction. This is not a South African thing, it's an international thing. And that's where I said earlier in my uh, remarks, I am very saddened. Our organization talks about it constantly. Why do we have Afrikaans and English schools in the country as if English learners speak English at home? That is a problem. Um, internationally, we perform badly in reading and literacy and numeracy. And a big portion of that problem is in the early grades. We've got code switching and language uh, issues, and I think we've got to address that <laughs> as well um, and, and, and put that on the table. We, we want to see quality education with good outcomes so that we have opportunities for all our learners. CETSOS in the last three, four years produced a booklet in 11 languages, uh, 
practical guide to school governance in all the official printed languages. Uh, we did not do it in uh, sign language uh, or in, in Braille at that point in time, but this year we even did it in Braille. <laughs> so we've got 12 languages printed material for governors of all languages in this country, and we're dishing out those books to ensure that parents, which is what I think the third and fourth uh, caller spoke about, the WhatsApp voice, and said, the parents possibly don't have the capacity, not because of anything else, rather than the fact that they've not been trained and they've not been exposed and they're not professionals at the school. So we urge parents to go for training and get training from the likes of the departments, governing body associations, to ensure that they are capacitated so that they know what the policy says. Mm. A parent that stands by seeing a principal... I've got 30 seconds with you, Rian, so please wrap it up, please. 30 seconds, up. A parent that stands by and sees that malpractice of a blank check being written must stand up and say, this is not right. So we urge parents to be involved, understand the policies, understand your role, and play the role of a good governor. And that's what we stand for at FEDSAS. Yeah, Rian, we will certainly have to have a a part two for this. I hope you can come back if the time will permit. But I I think there are a lot of issues that simply have not been touched in this conversation. But I do appreciate you engaging us, perhaps as frankly as you have. Um, 2051, everybody, Deputy CEO of FEDSIS, the Federation of Governing Bodies South Africa, Rian van den Berg, ons praat weer saam met hom. Bye, dankie. Tot ziens.